Thank you for checking out this episode on Really Dicey's Game Master podcast. You can see the video version of this discussion on YouTube, as well as more content on reallydicey.com. Hello, everyone. Thank you for checking out this special episode of Really Dicey. This is Manny. I'm Matt. I'm Seth. And today, Matt's going to lead us in a discussion about puzzles and traps in role-playing games. That's right. So aside from getting in the fight and killing monsters and cheating at cards uh, at, the, at, the, at the tavern, um, one of the big activities that comes up in uh, D&D is, are traps. Right? People are always running in the traps. So uh, I thought we could just have a, a discussion about traps. Let's just start with, you know, really, really basic. What do you, what do you think is the purpose of a trap? Why are there traps? Manny, if you're making a dungeon, you're running a game. Uh, I think it's, <laughs> I, I think you kind of need um, some sort of additional element in our dungeon scenario or most um, adventure scenarios where it's not just all fighting. Um, you kind of want characters to use the attributes that they rolled for in some fashion. And um, it, it, I think that's what it is. Just, it's an alternative, an alternate, an alternative uh, to just hacking and slashing. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, I think the original game and, and still a lot of D&D is dungeons, delving through dungeons. And I think the, the trap uh, is something for the players to be wary of, right? So you're, you're slowly making your way, uh, you know, through the, the dark tunnel and there are strange carvings on the wall. And so you know, uh, you've got your flickering torchlight and obviously you're looking for monsters, but you're also looking out for traps. It's something to be, um, something to be worried about. Uh, and, and it's also something to kind of think your way around. Uh, so yeah, I think it's another obstacle to put in the way of the players. Uh, players, Seth, what do you think about traps? Well, usually when you see a trap, you think, okay, it's guarding something. Uh, if you go to the, in history, the ancient Egyptians put traps in to keep out tomb raiders. Um, not Lara Croft. Uh, <laughs> um, so when you see a trap, usually like, aha, I'm, a, I'm, on, I'm on the right track. There's something, there's something uh, noteworthy on the other side of the trap unless you're playing with a DM who's a jerk and just puts a lot of traps and nothing on the other side, then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in a nutshell, they're put there in order to protect something valuable on the other side. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So if that's the purpose of the trap, uh, both from um, you know, the, the player's perspective and the, and the GM's perspective, what makes a good trap? It's a good trap. <clears throat> Something that engages the players, makes them work together to solve a problem. Um, and the problem has to be at a moderate level for the group. It can't be something too easy or else there's no point of it. You know, you're just, you're just boring your players. Can't be too hard or you'll spend five hours <laughs> <laughs> trying to open this one door that has like five magic locks and it, the combos are not working. Sure. Um, or the player characters will just give up. Yes. And then you just wasted whatever's on the other side of the trap. Also depends on how 
what traps you want to use as well. In, in first edition, they did something very interesting in first edition. So yeah, there's traps. There's like the way Gygax thought of traps was like uh, like uh, the floor opens up and then there's a, a pit of spears that you have to try to avoid uh, all of a sudden. Um, but you also had a section called tricks, which mm. I have not heard that term anywhere else. It's actually a, an appendix section for tricks. And yeah. in, um, in tricks, it talks about like, like sneaky stuff, like this face that you touch is actually has like a, a, a like a, a mimic or a black pudding or something inside it. <laughs> um, some sort of thing where you you um, you uh, surprise the players in some way. Um, I think in later editions, especially with fifth edition, um, they kind of combine the ideas together. They don't separate them anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, which uh, to me that, that sort of makes sense because you sort of want to have both. Uh, eventually, after a certain amount of time, people are going to be tired of the uh, pit that opens up or um, the walls are closing in or the, the saws that peer out of the walls. Eventually, players are going to get tired of that. So I think the trick aspect of it is really important because you want to really keep them on suspense. You want to you, uh, you want always them to be sort of tense a bit Get, you know, so that when they're going down this hallway or opening up this room, that almost anything could happen. Sure. I like the, I like, sorry to jump in. I like the traps that, as you were saying, Manny, um, engage each of the other classes besides just a thief, besides just rolling on a dice and okay, I disarm it. I like traps that like will have a magical component. So it engages the wizards or does it have a religious component? So it engages the cleric. Or does someone have to have weapon or armor knowledge in order to solve this bit? And that would engage the fighter, stuff like that. So it's not just a simple, okay, I step on this and a huge block falls and everybody dies. <laughs> but um, you mentioned disarming the traps and everything. And um, I think that often traps and, and, and um, finding the traps and, and disabling the traps can become too dice centric. Like, you know, um, in the last game I ran, uh, the person playing the thief, um, and this was partially my fault too, just, we fell into a routine. Like we'd, we'd come to a door and she'd say, uh, I do the thing. She look for traps. So roll for traps and it'd say, yes, you'd find the traps. And she'd say, I disarm the trap. Okay, you take another roll. Okay, you disarm the trap or you don't disarm the trap. And so that triggers a trap and some damage happens. So we do another roll. So really just came to, down to three rolls. Roll, roll, roll. And it, it, it got really boring. And it almost, it, it was almost an automatic script that could happen without anybody even being there. <laughs> I mean, I could just take three rolls behind the screen and say, oh, this is what happened. I think that that can be a problem. Can I can I jump in yeah, for a second? Go right ahead. I did something. See, I was thinking about worrying. Uh, I was worried about boring my players into doing too many roles for for things, especially if it is attribute based in some way. So what I did one time is I created like a, I made a scenario where they were in this old uh, dwarven training ground, and in this training ground each attribute was tested in some different way, strength, dexterity, uh, charisma, and all sorts. And there was a test. So everyone had to work together. Yeah, there was rolling the attributes. Yeah, if you look at it technically, it's the same thing, but the flavor around it, if you, I think if you, if you enroll it into some sort of story, 
you know, I think that might help um, energize the players. Uh, I think that's a good idea. I, I, you know, I think that's the key. I think the key is description ab above skills and roles. Uh, and, and here, I think we can learn a lot from basic D&D. If we, we, we go all the way back uh, where the game was really uh, about player um, initiative, not initiative, wrong word. That's that's a loaded term in D and D. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> player intelligence, as opposed to character skill. One thing I, I tried uh, in the in the game was um, not using hidden traps. So uh, the trap is right out there in the open. Everybody can see it. Um, so it's more like a hazard. Right, so the characters are moving down the um, moving down the corridor, and uh, they come to a flooded section of corridor that's 15 feet long, and it's you know filled with muddy brown water. And then they've got to think, oh, well, how do we get across that? What's going on? You know, do we? They they get out the spear and figure out how deep it is, and 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 they discover it's full of you know, blood sucking leeches. And, and so then they have to work as a team to kind of figure out how to get past it. Um, as opposed to, you know, you could do the same sort of thing where it's where the, the pool full of leeches is hidden under a trap door, right? And so they would have to roll to see, you know, okay, I, I checked for traps, roll the dice. Okay, yeah, you find that there's a trap door there. Or you don't, and then you fall in. Uh, and then, so the whole thing's just a bunch of rolls. Uh, and so the other part of that was, if you can describe the trap really well, then the players, instead of rolling to disable it, they can describe to you how they disable it, right? So if you say that you're, you know, uh, you come across the altar and um, in front of, uh, the altar are some steps, and uh, above the altar are a bunch of um, faces with uh, hollow eyes and, and mouths. And the character is going to say, okay, well, I examine the steps and say, okay, yeah, you examine the steps and you see that the, the top step looks like it moves, like it might sink underneath you. And they say, oh, okay. So I kind of go around and kind of look at the holes. I say, well, you, you look, you can't get too close to the holes, but you can see that the holes are really deep. And so they start talking among themselves and they say, ah, you know what? I bet if you step on that trap, you know, the holes are going to shoot spikes at us or something. So then they talk about the trap as a group and, and then they can try to tell you what they're going to do. Instead of rolling to disarm the trap, they could say, okay, we're going to you know, shove iron spikes around the block to stop it from sinking. Or we're going to try to stop up the holes with something. And then you can take whatever roles you think are necessary to see if that works. Um, or maybe you could just say, well, that's a really good idea. Yeah, that works. There's no role involved. You describe the trap and they describe how the, they disarm it. You know, uh, I think, um, you know, we're gamers and we love dice. 
<laughs> we love our shiny math rocks and we love to roll them. We, we, we love the clatter they make on the table. We love watching the, the, the 20 come up, the, the great number. Uh, and I think sometimes we get too addicted to that. Um, and I think sometimes the game can work better without the dice. If the players can describe exactly what they're doing. The only, the only little downside to that is now you just, as far as traps go, you now have just taken out the need for the thief. Okay, well, that's another video. I have, okay. a, problem. I have a problem with the thief class. Actually, we were talking about that before, before I hit record here. Um, yeah, that is, a, that is a possibility. So, you know, you could still use that sort of, you could still use uh, fine remove traps um, if the character wants to really examine something very closely. Although I'm kind of leaning towards just telling them what's there. Um, you, you could, also, you could you, sorry, just to jump in. You could also say the thief has a knowledge of, as, as a whole, you know, knowledge base of certain types of traps. You could have a role to say, does this look familiar? This looks like this sort of trap and this is how you would disarm it. Not a role disarm it, but this is how you would go around uh, disarming it. Uh, or you could you could use the disarm roll to see how well the players do whatever they're saying they're, they're going to do, right? Or you, you would... could, or you could say that you know the the you might describe a trap, and uh, you say okay, so there's this thin little wire uh, running across the top of the box, and there are you can you can see that it runs underneath the lip. And the play and the and the, the thief could say, mm, I'm going to examine that. So you could try a, you know, the fine trap roll, and you say, Yeah, you know what? You get under there and you look at it. You get your little mirror out and you look there, and you see that both sides of the wire are connected to a little spring. So you figure out that when the tension in the wire is released, the springs are going to activate. And the thief says, Hmm. Okay. So I can't just cut the wire because that'll set off the trap. I'll tell you what. I'm going to hold both sides of the wire in a clamp, and then I'm going to cut the wire, but without releasing the tension. Now, the thief is trying to do something a little delicate, you know, a little, a little precise. So that's when you can use the disarm traps rule. You know, it's not a, I disarm the trap. No, tell me how you're going to disarm the trap, because I've told you what the trap is, and then, if, if the physical action you're taking is difficult, then I can make you take a roll. If it's not difficult, I can say, yeah, you just do it. You know, uh, in the same way that a thief or a ranger or someone gets to climb up the tree automatically, but the wizard has to take a roll to climb the tree. So you could, you could just say, yeah, the thief is pretty good at that sort of nimble little delicate work yeah delicate work and he can do and he, and he has the tools and he has the tools for and he has the tools yeah exactly right. a, a fighter might might you know say the same thing saying oh it looks like there's a wire and i'm gonna do this but he neither has the tools 
nor does he have the experience, the little right. fine detail thing. So right. he's so going to be horrible at it. You, you'd have him make some sort of role. Um, and then you'd have to adjust that for how difficult you thought it is. Mm. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So I think, um, I don't know. I, I think that would be a better way to handle traps. Um, I, 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 oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh no, I'd say I, I agree with you about that, and I that's actually pretty interesting. That that I mean, it's a good point. That I don't think I hear a lot a lot of people talk about is the the narrative side of things, the description side of things when it comes to traps. Usually, I, I've I've been a player with other game masters where like you disarm a trap and that's it, you just move on to the next room to the hallway. But there's there's no there's very few that I've met that are they really good describing what's the situation going on exactly. What type of trap is it? Is it like a one of those like thin lines across the, the floor that if you trip on it, something gets gets triggered and, and how do they disarm it? I, I think I agree with you. That's a a really great way to keep your players interested in the adventure and, and invested. Right. Right. I you know the the trick is that that's more difficult. It, it means that instead of saying, okay, in room 34B, there is a trap and the players have to disarm it or it shoots spikes at them. That's what you get in a lot of modules. That's how a lot of people run their games. This way means you have to know what that trap is. You kind of have to design that trap. You, you can no longer just say, it's a trap. You can say, it's a pressure point that releases a spring that shoots some darts. So, I mean, you kind of have to design the trap. I mean, maybe not completely. I mean, you don't have to be some sort of Egyptian death archeologist or something, <laughs> but you do have to design it well enough that you convey to the players how it works so that they can convey to you how they disarm it. And they I think- and I think game masters that if they have a hard time describing every trap, what they could do is just talk about what they hear. You know, you step on something, the 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 the, the tile goes down on the floor. You suddenly <laughs> hear this springs and, and and sounds and gears turning. What's happening? You know, yeah, and you, yeah. you try to figure out what it is before something bad happens. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah, that that's traps. Um, Oh, and if, if you want to really screw with your players, after all these sounds you hear, nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> or nothing they can see happens. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or out of the, out of the, um, the statue's mouth just comes a little puff of smoke. Because, you know, the funny thing is, you know, the players go into these, these ancient dungeons and they set off this trap and that's it. The trap's set off. I mean, unless the the dungeon gremlins come by and reset it, that's, I mean, a lot of these traps are just a one-time thing. So well, Also, yeah. if it's, if this is an ancient structure and say this, the trap would, would shoot out a metal spear or an iron spear, but it's hundreds of years old. So the only thing left there's a little metal, couple of metal shavings that come flying out and just rust start in your face. That's exactly. a great idea. I mean, why do all these traps still work? <laughs> and why has no one ever been in this dungeon before? Imagine players going into a, a dungeon and, and they turn the, the corner and there's this giant block taking up the middle, you know, the middle of the corridor and there's like some skeletal legs sticking out of the bottom and boots. 
know, you, you know what's a good you know what's a good movie that you remind me of uh the goonies no. that that that's a, a perfect example of traps that have aged and what happens <laughs> yeah. yeah okay so related to the the trap there are other things there there's things like the puzzle or or the riddle so uh recently uh to give an example uh i was running a game it was a it was a dungeon crawl this is it actually came about because it was on zoom so right so i run my games on zoom and it's not always the easiest thing to include a map i'm not, I'm not really great with maps so i wanted to give the players a map telling them where to go but honestly i didn't want to draw one out and then scan it in and get it to them because they're not very good at maps so what i gave them was a scroll which contained this this ongoing riddle it was it was like a free verse poem and the couplets kind of described how they got through the dungeon so it was kind of like a riddle map and uh, i think that worked really well um Seth, you were in that game. What was your experience? What did you think of that? Oh, I, I, I liked it a lot. Yeah, it, it told, it, like if you came to a, like a fork in the road and a line in the, in the poem, something like said, take the smaller way, you would, so it, yeah, it, it, it sort of told you where to go. There were a couple, uh, the couple lines where, you know, the whole party had to stop, stop for a bit and think, what could this possibly mean? I mean, it wasn't, glaringly obvious or glaringly obvious right so that's that's kind of brings me to my point um it, it's difficult to um to get this sort of thing right uh, it's it um things i thought were going to be really easy were really stumpers and just ground the game to a halt and uh, a few things that i thought were actually kind of clever and tricky people just got immediately and made me feel stupid <laughs> <laughs> so, so the question is, you know, how hard is too hard? Uh, for me, I, I don't take chances anymore because I've done, also, I created my own riddles. And again, I get the same experiences uh, that you have, Matt, uh, where sometimes they just get it right. Sometimes they take a long time getting it, but they eventually get it. And there's been times when they just don't get it at all. And, and it's hard to predict that. It's, I, uh, I, at this point now, what I do is I just do rolls. Um, actually, my, my style is actually very similar to what 5th edition does with puzzles now. They do, they do hit rolls, H-I-N-T uh, rolls. Um, okay. so, like, so like you may have a puzzle or a trap and um, you have everyone either do like an intelligence check or a perception check or uh, investigation or something like that. And then you just give them hints and then you hope that uh, these hints are just enough so that they sort of understand what's going on. Hmm. Um, and even then, you got to still be kind of careful because sometimes people just don't get it yeah well and there's there's always the disconnect between if the player doesn't know but he's playing a character who should know and there's always that disconnect yeah yeah okay so there's always a question of the intelligence score uh there there's yeah you're, you're playing a character who's really intelligent uh, or who, who's supposed to be a super genius and you're frankly not, you know? Yeah. How do you handle that? I think the hints are a good idea. Uh, telling, giving the players some sort of knowledge. I, I you know, um, several times, uh, using the riddle map, uh, I would tell Seth, your character, who was the wizard, 
um, that this bit reminded you of something else you had seen, or you you know that this is referring to a certain type of poison or something. You know, you, you so you give the players a, a little bit of knowledge that their character would have. And, you know, the flip side of that, of course, is the character or the player whose character has a really low intelligence. They either forget to play that at critical times or they just <laughs> don't, uh, you know. Um, that can be a, a, a little harder because, you know, I don't want to be too harsh, but it can, like, it smacks almost like cheating. I mean, you know, if you put your low stat in intelligence, you should play your character kind of dumb. That can be a problem. And I don't really know how you can fix that at the table. I would kind of talk to the player about that because even if, even if the player gives an answer and you say, hey, 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 take a roll for that. You're not smart enough. Well, the answer is already out there. One of the other players is going to say, uh, actually, I pick up the turtle. Okay, sure, <laughs> fine. Where did you get that idea? Mm. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, Frank, but fortunately, that doesn't happen too much to me. I, I, I find that uh, most of the time, character player players who play characters with low intelligence scores really enjoy playing stupid characters. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I was in that scenario, I would make the player role play that scenario because I don't have too many instances with intelligence issues with, with between character and player. I always have charisma issues between ah, character and player. Yeah. That's have, another video. <laughs> I'll have either it's always either or. I have a player like gives a great speech or uh, or says something ridiculous, and then. I look like, what's your charisma? And then they just this role of persuasion or intimidation or whatever. And uh, they roll great or badly. And then I'm like, okay, role play that. What, what happens? You tell me, because I'm not going to figure out for you. Yeah, no, that, that's good. That's good. Okay, so we talked about how hard is too hard. And uh, you don't really come to an answer because it's just, it's hard to balance. Uh, I, think, I think the answer is as long as everybody's engaged and having fun. Um, and if, and if they're not, uh, I think you either have to give them some hints or give them another way to go. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe getting through that door isn't the only way forward. They can say, oh, you know what? We can't figure it out. Let's just go down, back down the corridor. There's another way we can go. Um, or I think you could, uh, you could just take the focus off the, the puzzle. Um, you could say, well, while you're trying to figure it out, a bunch of skeletons come around the corner and attack you. Well, now nobody's thinking about the puzzle. Now you're having a fight, and that's exciting. So, um, you know, there are different ways you can do that. Um, so, but related to how hard is too hard, how cruel is too cruel? Because, um, you know, I had <laughs> probably one of the, the meanest things I ever done did was I had a um, I had a puzzle uh, which was a like a, a safe looking a vault like in the end of a corridor and there were all these colored buttons and there there was a poem on the wall that made reference to the colors and everything and the the players spent a long time working on that 
and uh, it wasn't a vault and the uh, color buttons didn't do anything, uh, except they did alert the monsters who came around and attacked them while they were stuck in the corridor. <laughs> so that was, that was pretty cruel. Uh, that was perhaps too cruel. <laughs> <laughs> or having a riddle with no answer. See, that's, that brings us to another point. Do all puzzles have answers? Do all puzzles need answers? Um, and Why I put it in there then? Well, okay. But... I, I think puzzles should have multiple answers, but only okay. the dungeon master knows. And oh, I say yeah. that because I, I've had this situation where there was a puzzle or riddle, and uh, I think we spent like too long on it. And uh, had uh, I think someone rolled a uh, roll a dice. I give a hint. They said an answer, and then I realized, oh wait, that could be a possible answer too. I, that makes sense. So I said, yeah, go ahead. That's fine. That's the answer. And then they moved on. Um, I think that's a good idea. Just in case, again, if you have, you don't want to be stuck. That's like the worst thing to be stuck on something, and then the game drags because of it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, yep, yeah, you know. I think Seth has a point there. Why put it in? So I, I guess it depends on how it's presented. If it's presented as something that clearly has an answer, then unless you're being a total jerk, it should have an answer. But if it's something, if it's something vaguer, so if it's not a riddle, it's not like a written riddle or anything, or <clears throat> you know, a puzzle with moving bits. If it's a hazard, if it's a if it's a trap. Um, then I don't think there necessarily has to be a prescribed way around it. You know, I mean, obviously, whoever designed this, you know, unless they're some sort of Gygaxian game show of death merchant, where they're just having fun watching you do that, they're, de they're probably designing it to stop you from getting from someplace. So they're not going to build in an answer. They're going to build in a way for you to get through. They want to stop you. So there was, you know, I remember there's one that Matt, you had, it was, it was uh, a wizard in a wizard sanctum, a laboratory. He kept one of his treasures and this wizard was able to turn himself into smoke. So he built a trap that the only way to get through it is for somebody is to turn to smoke, float through the trap. And of course, he rightly figured not many people other than him knew how to turn into smoke. So, and there's pretty much no other way that we could think of to get through the trap. And of course, there's not because he designed it specifically so right. only he could do it. Exactly, that was an obstacle. Um... And it was meant to stop you and, and the players, unless you could think of something really clever. And if you did, I'd let you go through with it. Um, but I didn't have a prescribed answer. And it was perfectly, it was a perfectly valid thing for you to do to say, okay, we can't do this. Let's turn around and go somewhere else. You know, I, I think that um, a lot of players don't realize that you know, failure is an option. And, and I kind of blame video games for this, right? If you're playing in a video game and you get to some sort of obstacle or puzzle or something, there is a way through it. 
so, you know, I get this a lot in combat. Sometimes they'll say, you know, after combat, I'll have people, can, players complain to me, oh my God, how are we supposed to defeat three giants? I said, well, you weren't. I mean, goodness sakes, you guys were supposed to run away or hide or, or talk to them or do something clever. Obviously, you can't fight three giants. Look at them. <laughs> you know, so it's the same thing with the trap. How are we supposed to do that? I don't know. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know. When I GM, I am not a storyteller. I'm not presenting a puzzle with an answer. I see my job as presenting obstacles and complications, and it's the player's job to figure it out. That's fine, but if that's impeding the, impeding the plot moving forward, like as Manny was saying, if it grinds to a halt, and that's the only way forward. And if the characters finally say, you know what, screw this, it's too much, we're gonna leave. And the rest of your campaign is on the other side of that, on the other side of that, then, then well, you yeah, just ground, exactly. the, ground the game to a halt. Well, okay, yes. But I try to design my game so that there isn't one way forward through the Right, game. no, I, I'm just well, saying, that, yeah. That would be a mistake. If, if you know, you had to get over this bridge to get to the rest of the plot, then if I make that bridge impossible, then the game's over. But right. I, I try to design games that are a little more open-ended. I mean, that's not the only plot. That's not the only way to the plot. You can do other things. Unless you're Gygax, and spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't played Tomb of Horror, that first trap. Oh, God. I, that first trap is not well, meant it, for you to it solve. Had the, it had the three fake entrances to a fake dungeon. Yes. Oh, or, or the gem in the, the gem of true scene that you needed to see invisible stuff was itself invisible. Yeah. Okay. So here's some good advice. Read Tomb of Horrors and don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> don't do that. That's how not to run traps. Another, another thing Game show is... Death. Another thing you'd want to do is, if you have a hazard, put yourself in the mindset of usually, in fantasy, it's usually a medieval setting. What would somebody who's a medieval fighter or a medieval uh, thief or something like that, what would their tool set be as far as knowledge, as far as what tools they have? What could they use to get past this hazard? Now, if you put something that nobody in their right mind from the 15th century would possibly know how to get past, then it's too difficult. Yeah, I, I can see that. That makes sense. Uh, although your, your players aren't from the 15th century and there's no way no. you can ask them to forget no. 600 years of knowledge. <laughs> no, I understand. This, this is more, sorry, this is more of the tool thing. Yeah. If you okay. need certain tools and stuff that they would never ha have access to, Meaning you can have you can have a, a puzzle that you just presented as long as in the back of your head you have you know of at least one way to get past it. Uh, you know a, a, a puzzle possibly, but not an obstacle. You know an obstacle. I think it's up to the players to figure out how to solve it. Well, then you just hope you have um, imaginative players. Well, of course. I always imagine, I hope I have imaginative players. But again, like I said before, if they can't make their way past that obstacle, 
they can go down the other corridor and there's something down there. Mm. I mean, you know, this isn't the only way to the plot. <laughs> if I, I know some game masters that if let's say they couldn't figure a way out of a puzzle and a, and a GM offers a different route around it. Um, usually they they'll penalize it, the situation by saying, okay, there's no experience for this situation. Then uh, we'll just go and pass by it. Um, I've seen some game masters do that. I don't know if that's the right way of handling it. Um, Cause sometimes, sometimes players cannot read <laughs> your mind, you know, and who knows? And sometimes Actually, the game, that that sounds sorry just jump in that sounds interesting say like what matt was saying if the puzzle is on one quarter and you can't do that you go to another quarter well then you come to a huge room that looks like both quarters came to but you didn't but the the quarter where you went that didn't have the puzzle or obstacle came out at a very disadvantageous place i mean the place you wanted to come in maybe to sub surprise monsters or be on the right side of another obstacle was that first quarter, but you can do it. So you went to the other one with, so now you're in a worse position for not having figured out that previous obstacle. So it incentivizes you to try to figure out going through getting around that first obstacle. But I think what Manny was saying was that um, you can give experience points for getting past obstacles, traps and puzzles, and then withhold that if they don't. Right. And what I was saying is just an alternative yeah. sort of explaining the experience in the actual role play. I, I think there was one situation where I had a puzzle and it wasn't that important to the mission, but it, it did lead to some sort of treasure of some sort. Um, and in my mind, I thought, OK, if they would if they figure this out, no big deal. But if they do, I'll award them experience points as well. And they did. And I and I gave them a reward for that. Um, cause they, they work together kind of like a, like an escape room, which, uh, those are fantastic. Those are so much fun to begin. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, they just work together and they, they solved it. And that was, that was, was, that's always a great feeling. I think as a game master to like when players get together and they work and they beat something that you designed in, in a, in, in a very satisfactory way. One thing we didn't discuss, but it's not a, it's that, uh, I know in, in the early editions, um, tr thieves and assassins can set up traps themselves. Good point. Ah, and rangers could do it in wilderness. That's a good kind of wilderness point. traps. That that's a good um yes, it is possible for the players to set traps and kind of turn it on its head. Now I like that. Now the players are thinking about describing the trap and everything. Yeah. Um so I think that can go the same way. You want the players to describe not just I make a trap. No, describe the trap. What kind of trap is it? Um, you know, and, Does and it set off an alarm? Is it a tripwire? Yeah. yeah, the better they can describe the trap, the better it works, unless it's some sort of rule Goldberg mess. And, you know. <laughs> and, and again, you could have possibly, if they describe something that's really difficult, you could have them take roles to make that. I, I would just go with the disabled trap because it's really just the same thing reverse it's the same mm. it's the same sort of precise work i would just say okay give me a disabled trap or maybe the player characters are working for the mad wizard and have to design all the traps for his dungeon <laughs> <laughs> oh there you go that can be a lot of fun you build a dungeon <laughs> i i don't have to make players that make traps anymore except in situations where they're trying to find like emergency lodgings in a dungeon 
or someplace dangerous. Yes. And then yes. I, I asked them, okay, all right, so you secure a place, but it's still armies of skeletons roaming around. What do you do? You can't just sleep comfortably. So they, that's when that idea of setting up traps around some sort of alarm system so that if anything comes in, they'll know. Yes. And then that's a, a good way uh, to have them described. Because a lot of times I'm, I, I look at the, situ at the scenario, I'm like, all right, you're gonna set up traps, explain to me how, because to me, it makes no sense. So yeah, they have to, yeah. you have to convince me as a game master, like, all right, how you set it up. And then uh, most times they do. And I, and if, if it seems like sort of logical to me, I, I won't fight it. I'll say, all right, just make your roles. And if you do it, you're fine, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, you know, I think if we want players to describe things, we have to describe things as game masters. And we also have to reward them for describing things, you know? And I think the best reward is if they de describe something that really makes a lot of sense and is within their character ability, I, I think we should really consider just saying, yeah, you do that, that works. No, no role, you don't have to do that. You're setting up a trip wire with little bells on it. Yeah, you can do that, that's fine. That makes sense, you do that. You know, I, I think there can be an over-reliance on roles and things. Um, you know, uh, Seth and I have both had the experience where we played games where your characters are just terrible at things. And it quickly becomes apparent that the strategy, not, not D&D, but other games, um, where it becomes the, apparent that the best strategy is to not pick up the dice. Don't touch the dice. <laughs> you just try to describe everything in a way that you don't have to roll. The only way to win is not to play the game. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I think we want to we want players to describe things. We have to reward that sort of play. And uh, traps is a wonderful way of doing that. All right. So that's our rambling thoughts on traps. Uh, let us know in the comments if you have any traps or puzzles or um, sphinx riddles for us or what you think <laughs> hmm. so uh, take care and uh, we'll see you next time